McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to the Forecast, episode 96. Six clean sheets in the row in the league. Is this the foundations of a promotion-winning side? Joining the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Very good, thank you, Hugh. Nice to come into this podcast off the back of two wins, as opposed to the two defeats before we did last week's podcast together. Um, but yeah, a bit of a positive vibe. League table's looking good. Can't complain, can you, really? Nope, and I definitely remembered that it was you on the podcast, not Freddie earlier on. <laughs> Talk about Freddie, joining us on the podcast, Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? I'm doing very well, Hugh, thank you. Yeah, Ports were getting six six clean sheets in the league in a row. I've definitely put that on the Excel spreadsheet, so that's made my day already. Oh, yeah, on the Excel spreadsheet. Lockdown like life, Freddie. <laughs> Does it get any more? <laughs> Living on the edge, mate. I love that. Um, no, just keep at it because you're creating some great stats. Um, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Fleetwood game. Following on from that, we're going to review the emphatic destruction of AFC Wimbledon. Then we're going to go and talk to Lennon from the Super Hotspur blog. Um, he basically covers the Spurs Academy, writes match reports for them, etc. And he's going to give us the lowdown on Harvey White. And then we've got a preview on the podcast from the Wise Man Say A Whole podcast or the Whole City podcast. Yeah, they get into the whole game and we talk about Hull after the Portsmouth game, the build up to this game as well. Their transfers in, transfers out and a lot of laughs as well between all of us. So that's good. And then following on from that, we're going to have our little say at the end, which is obviously the most important bit of the whole game and our score predictions. Boys, that's a lot of stuff. So much so that I just got confused at the end. Let's get into it. Fleetwood Freddy. You weren't, I don't know if you've listened, but me and Andy did a podcast. Um, and just drum yeah. roll here. My score prediction came true. Now, Ooh. one now. What did you think about the game in particular, Freddie? Well, first of all, before I go into the game, hell must have frozen over for you to get your score predictions in because I don't think any of us have have done that before. So had that to had to have a mention. That's an outrageous <laughs> accusation. <laughs> I remember well, gloating about it. I gloated for about half an hour solid a few weeks ago about mine coming in. Good to know you listen to the pods I'm on, bud. <laughs> don't be silly, Andy. You don't listen to any of the ones you're not, you're not on. Yeah, anyway. that's, that's I don't listen to any of the ones I am on. <laughs> I'm here. I, I mean, I, I, I do the produ- I do the production, so I've got to. But let's get get back onto it. I got the score right, Freddie. What did you think of the game? Uh, I thought it was a very good game, considering Portsmouth haven't played a league game in such a long time. There was a bit of rustiness, but for me, Portsmouth did the job. Yes, they defended a bit more than you'd expect them to do, but. They limited Fleetwood a lot to very little. That was mainly due to the intense pressing and filling up at the space when when Fleetwood had the ball. There were many occasions where Fleetwood would have the ball in midfield, look to pass it to Paddy Madden, who, who would then try to pass it out wide, but there was there was no options because there was always a Portsmouth defender in the way. And for me, that ability to switch the formation between the 4-2-3-1 and the 4-4-2 whenever it suited Pompey in that game that was the key for me. Because we've criticised, haven't we, in the past, Jacket for being really wooden, you know, really sort of set on this one formation. People have said no plan B. But at the moment, we look pretty fluid between the two formations, which is which is pretty good to see. Andy, Ryan Williams is the player who's come under a bit of criticism before in the past, having no in product. Um, but he actually looks like a player who is sort of thriving in this new fluid formation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've said in the past on the pod that 
it always seems like there's 99% of the job done and he's always, you know, a split second away from that one moment that allows him to to really hit that end product and get into form in terms of hitting the end product because the rest of his game has been on on point for the rest of the season. It's just been, yeah, as you say, that, that goal-scoring finish or maybe a couple more assists. And yeah, he's kind of come into his own a bit and cemented that place in the side. And I, I agree with you that that fluidity that, that we've got, it's not a case of, oh, we've lined up as 4-4-2 or, or, oh, great, we've lined up as 4-2-3-1 again. Like there is that, okay, we're starting in this with Williams playing up top. Maybe he's going to swap with Harness and Harness will partner Marquis up top for a bit. Then maybe we'll slip into a 4-2-3-1 if we need to congest the midfield a little, uh, the centre of midfield a little bit more, depending on how the game's going. And yeah, I they look well drilled in terms of they do seamlessly change that formation between one and the other. And they happily can swap positions and maintain that cohesion. Because one of the things that's really noticeable now, I think, compared to the start of the season is that that quick passing in the opposition half. Whereas before it was just turgid and slow when we got within 45 yards of the opposition goal, we'd slow down, sort of face away from goal again and just recycle and just do this sort of really attritional trying to break down the opposition back, back four or back five or back three. Whereas now it's all sort of quick acting, exciting, whichever formation we're playing, obviously more with the 4-4-2 and it's creating opportunities. And yeah, it, it was a deserved win against Fleetwood, you have to say. I mean, we said last week on that podcast we did that it was an, that they're a very average League One team. And I thought they looked like an average League One team. And thankfully for me, we looked better than average League One team, which is, yeah, what we aspire to be at this point in the middle of the season when you're trying to get some momentum going. Yeah, Rob Williams has already surpassed last season's record. He's got three goals and three assists in all comps this season and he's looking like a completely different player, almost playing that complete forward role. Love that. I just give something opinion-based, no evidence to support it and you chime in with the stats. That is exactly how it should be. You do all the legwork, I'll just sit here chatting rubbish. <laughs> Big fan of that, Fred. <laughs> It's all about me, all about different voices, Andy. Come on, get get on the inclusion. But I'm going to be inclusive. I'm going to shoot something back at you, mate, and say congratulations because you came out and spoke about, um, and people probably seen it on our Twitter page, about John Marquis, who came under a lot of criticism from a section of fans, or a fair amount of you who messaged into us. And, um, you know, we had the faith that Marquis was going to score. He did score in this game against Fleetwood. Andy, how big do you think it is for John Marquis's confidence that he gets scoring again? As you say, there's, there's never any doubting his ability. As we said on last week's pod, it was going to come sooner rather than later, I think, because he'd had a slight drought and he's not the sort of player that has a drought for that long when you're playing a formation that suits him like we are at the moment. So, yeah, absolutely. I think having him as a confidence player or having him in a run of form, he's one of those players that does go through gluts of goals, as shown the other month when he, he won player of the month for League One, didn't he? So once he starts scoring, it's hard to stop him and that, yeah, it was demonstrated again when we talk about the Wimbledon game, scoring the first goal in that as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's he's a confidence player and hopefully that will continue in the next few games like it did a couple of months ago when he started scoring. Yeah, confidence player and he's being used properly. I think that's the main thing. He's not being used in a role that doesn't suit him or out of position. So far, he's got... 11 goals and four assists, which is pretty, pretty again, like Rowan Williams. He's pretty much on his uh, on what he what last season's total already in half the games. He's playing exceptionally well and looks like the striker who we play who Paul's played 1.5 million pounds for. But, but not even that though, he is playing exceptionally well, but he's also getting exceptionally better delivery, isn't he? So he's being used in a certain way, obviously. But he's the players around him are all playing better as well. There's so much more to Ports' attack. And, you know, credit to John Marquis for being the focal striker up front. But people need to realise if he's not scored in a game and other players have scored, that's fine as well. It doesn't have to be Marquis scoring every game or Marquis constantly scoring. If he gets his 20 goals this season and then other players chip in with 10 goals, 12 goals or whatever it is, um, that's a massive success. And it just shows you're not a one-dimensional Pompey of old with Pittman up front and no one else can score a goal in the back of the net. Precisely, yeah. And you were mentioning everybody else chipping in. They're, they're chipping in with high quality chances for him. I looked at John Marcus's XG and he scored 11 goals this season in the league already. And his XG is 11 and a half, which means he's get, he, he's on pace for the amount of chances he's getting in, term, in terms of his conversion rate and 
other players giving him high quality chances in the first place. So I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 20 goals at all, even 25 this season, if Bortz have continued to play the way that they are. Yeah, absolutely. And as Andy says, moving on to the Wimbledon game, where John Marquis also got a goal, um, I was pretty happy with this game. Generally, Pompey winning 4-0, it was emphatic, and the result never really looked in question after Pompey got going. But it was a little bit of a slow start, Andy, wasn't it? Yeah, first 20 minutes or so was growing into the game, I guess, would be the polite way of putting it. It was just pretty quiet, wasn't it? But then as soon as that first goal went in, I think it forced Wimbledon to open up a little bit because, you know, there's no point coming with the intention of of losing 1-0. It forced them to open up a little bit, created space, and then Pompey kind of hit them with uh, the left-right combination of of Marquis and Williams in quick succession. And then at 2-0 up, we never looked in any real threat, did we? We we were talking after the game. We couldn't really remember McGillivray doing anything that was... I don't think he had a to make, really. No. Bobby didn't go out of second gear after 2-0. No, exactly. And it was, yeah, the easiest 90 minutes he's had for a while. And it allowed us to to bring on, you know, to try a slightly different formation towards the end of the second half and play three centre mids, give the game a bit more structure and just close it out. Um, and it gave yeah Ben Close a bit of game time, which he obviously capitalised on, which we love to see. We always do want to see him do well uh, and gave Harvey White his debut as well. So it was one of those ones that ticked every single box. We didn't pick up any injuries. Um, new player got a bit of game time without any pressure. Player, uh, local player that's been a bit out of form when he has played, came in, put in a good five-minute shift and got a goal to reward him with a, a nice, neat fi- finish into the far corner. It literally yeah, just ticked every box for me, to be honest. This is niggling, so I'm not not complaining about this at all. I'm going to put this out there because you know I thought that the substitutions were good. I thought, as Andy said, it was great to see different players get some game time. But Freddie, Jordi Huula, I would have liked to see him potentially get a few minutes on the pitch. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, 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 he was the sub that I thought was going to happen very relatively early because with Wimbledon trying to trying to make some <laughs> make something out of themselves at three 0 down, you'd. It, it, Portsmouth can just thread balls through to Jordi Hewler and, and him running onto running onto them. I thought that would happen, but uh, uh, it was nice to see Ellis Harrison getting some minutes. He should have scored that header, I will have to say. Um, but in the end, I think we're, we're nitpicking a bit. It was a, it was a 4-0 emphatic win, a complete performance, and a performance I don't think any of us would have seen from last season. This team looks far and away much more complete than last season, where I think... In certain games last season, Ports have looked comfortable, but they didn't create or execute the chances that they did today. Not even close. Is that automatic promotion good looking there, Freddie? <sighs> it's becoming more and more likely, isn't it, with the way Ports are playing and, and and the group as well? Because there's no there's no there's no dressing room stuff that we know of. All the boys seem to be there for each other uh, Cameron Pring mentioned in an interview mm. when he left about how close the squad was which any player is saying that he doesn't have to say that really so, so that, that's a big thing and the second big thing is that it, the, the, te- the tactics and the setups are so much better they're so much better and Portsmouth look like a completely different team and it's it, obviously considering we've all been burned before I will not say the pulse will get automatics. I think I'll wait until it actually happens, but the form is there at the moment. Automatics, that is from Freddie. He's giving me the thumbs up on camera. You just can't see it. <laughs> Say. All right. Um, so we're going to speak about Harvey White, the new signing. Pompey have got in midfield from Spurs. Uh, reached out to Palamine Lennon from the Super Hot Spur uh, blog. He basically goes to all the different Spurs Academy games. He writes reports about them and everything. So he's the best person to give us some advice. So here's Lennon from the superhotspur.com blog. Hi, I'm here with uh, Lennon Brannigan, who is from the superhotspur.com blog. And Lennon, mate, great to have you on the podcast. All right. Very, very happy to be on. Thank you. No, it's great. Thank you very much, mate. Um, Lennon, just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do covering Tottenham. Uh, so what, what I do is in my spare time, I go to the Spurs Academy games, so the under-18s and 23s, and I write match reports on my blog. So obviously I've watched players like Harvey White, Troy Parrott, TJ Ioma, who plays for Lincoln, 
and different players who will come up. So it's fantastic to watch the young youth of Spurs and, you know, and watch who's, who's the future Spurs. And I had, I had, um, we were actually talking about, um, we do our usual transfer um, podcast, me and Freddie do it. And um, mm. you'll be aware of it because I'm always reaching out to you around this time of year, aren't I? Asking yeah. your advice on young players that we could potentially sign. Um, and Jack Rolls was one of those, um, those players who yeah. I, you know, really wanted us to get in. Could you give us a comparison between Jack Rolls and Harvey White um, as players generally in the centre of midfield? Well, Jack Rolls is a lot more of a, as a 10. He's more of a 10. So, whereas Harvey's an 8 more or a 4. But Jack is, is very much a goal-scoring midfielder. He likes to get into pockets of space. Uh, likes to link the play well. But he's, he's, got, he's got a fantastic shot at his disposal. So, he, he's, as I say, he's more of a goal-scoring threat than Harvey. And where do you see when Harvey's coming in? So um, we're looking at him really, I suppose, a lot of the time he's going to play in a 4-4-2 formation, you know, variations mm. of that. But he'll play in the centre a lot. With So say he comes in with uh, the captain, Tom Naylor, who plays in a holding midfield role a lot of the time. Does Harvey have the ability then, if he's given a bit more freedom, to play that sort of box-to-box uh, role and sort of drive forward with the ball? Certainly. In, in regards to, to that, he's, he's a bit like Oliver Skip, who plays for Norwich. So he, he can drive with the ball, he can step forward with it, he can get into good pockets of space, and he, he's very energetic, and he will he never stops running. I mean, like Skip, and that, I don't like to compare too much, but with Skip, he, he's, you know, never stops running, very energetic player. So, And he also does have an eye for gold as well. What do you think are White's strengths and weaknesses for you as a player at the moment? Uh, well, his strengths would say his, his vision, his passing range is outstanding on his left foot. As a youth player, for example, when he was in, in the 2018-19 season, he was involved in 21 goals and 33 appearances. Uh, he's very composed, he's very reliable, good on the ball, good at creating space for himself. And as I say, he's, he's, he's somebody who's going to give 100% every game. In terms of his weaknesses, it's, well, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, this is his first uh, step up to senior football. He, some may say he's, a, he's quite a slight build. But I think I don't think that's the case. I think that um, I think he's perceptibly strong and perceptibly quick as well. So you think he can uh, keep up with the physicality of League One football? Because I think many teams have seen youngsters come in from Premier League teams, and, and even though even though they're a talent technically, if they're not up to it physically, they often go missing. So do you think White will be able to cope with that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously in the other twenty-three leagues, so you've got some very uh, physical players, very physical league as well. And obviously playing in the UEFA Youth League and European competition as well, he's been. Able to, I've never seen that being a problem with with him. And was he? Um, I'm just from an interested point of view. I mean, he seems like um, a popular lad with the Spurs fans, yeah. Generally, and we, and we all know, you know, Tottenham they they like to put a bit of expectations on the players, don't they? And, that, and that's yeah. fair enough. You guys develop mm-hmm. some great players up at Tottenham, but what I want to know really is what are Tottenham's expectations? Do they think that? Harvey should come in and play every week or are they happy for him to be in the squad rotation? I'd imagine that with it being his first loan they probably slowly eased in possibly and then get a good run in the team. I mean, I look at other loans, uh, Troy Parrott who's at Millwall, he did have a few injury issues but he's getting a good run in the team now and obviously TJ at, at Lincoln he's, he's played virtually every league game this season so I'd imagine that they do have hopes that he will play a lot of games I think the thing is though Jacket's come in and said he's ready for the squad rotation he's ready for to be thrown straight in there as well and you can see yeah. that obviously when a manager gets a new player he wants to have a look at him but he did come on before Ben Close who I'd say would be the next midfielder you would have thought in the rotation who only got correct me if I'm wrong boys five minutes eight ten minutes maximum at the end of the game yesterday yeah he, he came on we played that, yeah. we played three in centre midfield didn't we towards the end of the game so it was kind of a yeah, change in formation so it's kind of hard to judge what role Harvey White would be playing in the team because he only had a few minutes in a 4-4-2 before yeah getting thrown into a three in centre midfield yeah, exactly. So obviously he's come on and got to get a bit of game time. I think he should do well, mate. Just to ease your ease your fear because he's come into a, a pretty pro squad um, of players who apparently get on pretty well at the moment. So yeah, and then we'll go from there. Is there anything else we've missed that you think you should tell us about him? Uh, well, uh, looking more at the tenacious defensive side of his game, he's, he's, got, he's got a really good challenge. He's good at challenges. He's, he is tenacious, as I say, um, and he's good at breaking up the play. And I think that will all help in terms of him because of his versatility and also playing left-back. So he could play left-back as well, I'd imagine. But even at youth level, if you're going back a few years now, he's played at centre-half. 
played as a cam, centre attacking midfielder. So, so he he's a very versatile player, and I think that will see something that Jacket will be. Kenny Jacket will have uh, been very keen to get him on board. Really, you are spot on, Lennon. Kenny Jacket absolutely loves a versatile player, someone who can play here, there, everywhere. I'm not surprised that he would make him. I'm going to say his first new signing because Hawila was already at the club. Um, of the January transfer window. But Lennon, mate, thank you so much for on the podcast. Yeah. And hopefully the listeners well. have got a little bit more of a, a lowdown on what sort of player we're getting now. I've been of a bit of help anyway. So No, you have, mate. Much appreciated. Right. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Lennon. Take care. Cheers, take Cheers. Care. thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, Lennon, from the podcast. And I think we've got a player here, lads. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, had limited minutes in that uh, in that game against Wimbledon. It was nice for him to be able to come on and have pretty much no pressure on his shoulders in the last few minutes of the game. Um, in terms of how he was utilised, it was it was pretty obvious. Um, kind of fitting in with what uh, Lennon said there that he was there rather than driving into the box in that attacking midfield role. He sat slightly deeper. He was a sort of an out ball, sort of to recycle and maintain possession, playing back towards our own goal. Um, sounds like he's got a good left foot on him and it looked that way certainly in the in the game time he did have the other night um, yeah I think there are obviously going to be bigger tests but as a, a young player coming into a new side that was the perfect run out and as you say like you can normally tell what sort of player you're getting by the reaction of the fans from the club he's leaving and the reactions I've I've been through quite a few of them on Twitter <clears throat> were sort of sad to see him go but genuinely wishing him all the best and thinking it was going to benefit him and fans saying that they wanted him to make sure he did come back to Spurs, which is obviously going to happen. That I think we're, it's all pretty open in that respect. He's not going to sign a permanent deal after this with us. Um, but yeah, they all seem to really rate him, which that's all you can look for at this point. Fred? He didn't look out of place at all, did he? Which I mentioned earlier, a lot, a lot of... Um... Loneys can do that, especially for, from Premier League sides when they haven't played a lot of senior football. A lot of them disappear. They're not physically capable of playing against uh, men in many cases and League One players who might not be as technically good as them but, go, but can bully them off the ball or and that kind of thing. I think it's a shrewd signing by Kenny Jacket, to be honest. It would be very hard to get many midfielders with that technical ability who would accept being third or fourth choice as well. And he can also cover at left-back if Portsmouth don't sign another left-back. Yes, I know Joe Gallo mentioned Charlie Daniels and his contract is up at Shrewsbury, but we'll, but we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's a positive signing, exactly the sort of signing that um, Kenny Jacket should make. There are there are a couple of midfielders in my head that would be a bit better on loan. Uh, one of them has gone on loan to Hull City, who we're talking about later. But I, I, I think it's a positive signing. will make Portsmouth's depth a lot better. And just before we go into the whole City podcast interview i see that freddie's got his po forecast flag at half mast over there because um unfortunately Bryn morris has moved on he's gone to northampton on loan initially um but his contract's up at the end of the summer so it's unlikely we see Bryn morris back at pompey playing another game i mean it could happen you never know but very unlikely Bryn morris probably a smart move for him to go and get some regular team football at northampton opens a space up as well for Pompey, uh, who now have two spaces available. There's a very good article written about it by John C. Coleman. If you haven't seen it, it's come out today. Have a look at it um, on Twitter um, or it's on Hampshire Live. But yeah, he breaks down exactly why we've got so many spaces free and the possibility to get another space if we get Turnbull and put him, don't register him. So potentially when Bass comes back from injury, we could have a third space open up as well. So go and give that, go and give that a read with John C. Shout out for that, mate. But all right, let's get into the Whole City podcast um, with two guys on from the Whole City podcast. The wise man say a Whole City podcast. Anyway, enough of me babbling. Let's get into a great chat with those boys. I'm here with John and Alex from the Wise Man Say a Whole podcast. And guys, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having us. Pleasure to be on. No, it's awesome, mate. And uh, it's great to have both of you on as well. So uh, I've got an absolute steal here because I know you cut another podcast short. wasn't as good as this one. So you dashed that one and went on to ours. So I appreciate it, lads. Well, you know, priorities, play at pumping, all that. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's it. We rehearsed it a few times. I reckon that was pretty decent. Um, 
what we're going to do quickly is we had um, before the last game we had uh, Catherine Batty on who for the male sport who's a big Hull fan and she spoke about the your fall from grace um, and the time up until the last game I suppose the turnaround so what I'm really interested in I suppose is leading up to the Portsmouth game where we were then, I think Catherine put it out there that she thought that you guys would edge it. We thought we would edge it, but it's pretty close between two you know, decent squads. Let's be honest, lads. Since the Portsmouth uh, loss, where did you guys go from there? Because there's a lot of noise on Twitter with Hull fans looking a bit unimpressed. All right. So um, we've been praying for weeks now um, for this KLP, I don't know if you've heard about the Keen Lewis Potter uh, contract saga. So Keen Lewis Potter is a player who came through our youth academy. Uh, and this season, he's been playing really well, been playing regularly. And also, we've been on really good form up until, um, you know, late, sort of late November time. Uh, and, and sort of, there was a lot of them in an hour in whether Keen Lewis Potter was going to sign this contract. His agents got involved. Uh, we're not sure um, if the club were digging the heels in. Keen Lewis Potter was digging the heels in. And eventually, it's sort of, we think that it's affected the performances on the pitch in a big way. So the players, you know, it was, is he going to sign? Are the club going to offer him too much money? Are they going to offer him another year? And it, it was just all this going on. And it's clearly affected the boys on the pitch. And for the last few weeks, we've just been saying, please, please, please to the club, whatever you do, save this season and just get him to sign. Whatever you have to do, get him to sign. And lo and behold, after the um, Blackpool game, he signed. And suddenly we looked such a different team. If, if you've seen the highlights of us versus Accrington, we, we won 3-0, but it could easily have been 6 or 7. So, you know, it's we're feeling really optimistic optimistic about this one. Because uh, if we'd have played you, you know, again, two or three weeks ago, I'd have said Pompey win all over, especially the form you guys are on and sort of the, the sort of goal-scoring talents that you've got at your disposal. Yeah, I agree with Alex. Um, it, it was coming at a time as well where we just, we, we hadn't won in three games in the league. And that was our that was our fourth game without a win, uh, third defeat on the bounce. And we were talking about it at the time on the podcast. And I remember us saying a little bit similar to sort of um, Liverpool. Uh, and at the time they were having a dip, and you know, as a team that want to be league challengers, if this is our dip now in our form, then it could be a good thing. But we do need to get out of the rut. And the, the, the game itself was really tight, and obviously two on goals were the ultimate deciding point. Um, but Again, looking then to this game, you think again, could it be another stalemate? Uh, two really good teams. Would you take a point from the game then if we offered it to you now? If we said nil, nil, draw, one, all draw, would you take that and walk away? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think obviously you guys have got a game in hand as well. So it, it, a point suits both teams in, in the sense that we're going away to Fratton Park, which is a really difficult place to go and play and, and to try and get a point, you would take it um, before, you know, on paper before. You even kicked a ball, but then for Portsmouth it works because you think, well, the gaps are safe. It's still one point, and if you win the game in hand, then you go above us. So I can't see the managers sort of going gung ho in the last ten minutes if it's going to get a win. If if it is tight at that point, I'd also take a point, and I'm hoping that the game is as good as the last time I went to Fratton Park when we drew two all and Glenn Johnson scored from about 500 yards. What a memory that, that was. was Belter. That was a yeah. long time ago now. Yeah, with um, his foot as well. <laughs> Insane. I still can't believe we had him. I think one of the main differences between both games was the midfield. I really didn't rate uh, Hull City's centre of midfield. You missed George Honeyman a lot, I thought. I don't know what you would think. And I think you've done some really good transfer business already. You've managed to get Dan Crowley in on loan from Birmingham City, who... We did a mean who did a transfer special, and we re, we pointed out as Crowley as somebody who Portsmouth Portsmouth would really do with. What do you think of that signing? And do you think that will be a key factor that difference in the centre of midfield in the next game? Yeah, so his performance in um, when he came on against Accrington, you could tell very talented player. All he's missing for me is games because he, he had three or four chances uh, and he just sort of ballooned them or it went 
high and wide and not handsome. But um, the sort of the movement and the positions that he was taking up, you could tell there's a, he's definitely a championship player. There's no doubt about it. So what a shrewd signing that was. And we actually saw the, the, the Birmingham fans were actually disappointed that they were even letting him go at all because I think they think they'd do a job for them this season. So really impressed with that. And another shrewd bit of business from the club, to be fair. No, it's yeah. a very good bit of business, mate. Mm. Yeah, go on, John. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a good p- a piece of business. I think, Freddie, you mentioned it right there with Honeyman missing out in the game. He's such a big player for us. Uh, and you've seen that season that he's a high-level League One quality. He struggled in, in parts last season in the Championship. But with Smallwood in there, who's a little bit older, we need the legs around him. And I'm a big fan of Doherty, Greg Doherty, who's another centre midfielder of ours. But we needed Honeyman in there as well. I don't think Regan Slater really had the experience uh, that Honeyman has, having captained the side at, at this level as well. With respect to players like Doherty, Smallwood, etc., though, Honeyman's on a different level for you, in my opinion, watching you from a technical from a technical ability side and, and an ability to, when you're under the cost, to change the, the momentum of a game. Um, and I asked, you know, Catherine before, of, is it a case of stop George Honeyman, stop Hull? And it sort of ended up that without George Honeyman, you didn't really get going. But when you've got Crowley on, the, on that side as well, that sort of provides you with another player who's got that real creative spark. And not in a way like someone like, Malik Wilkes or someone who's, you know, who's an attacker who, if you get him a chance, he can score, but someone who can potentially change the game against Pompey, who have quite a strong centre of midfield there with Tom Naylor and Andy Cannon anchoring it. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts about the last time we played um, with the centre of midfield of Pompey? And do you think it'll be different this time with Honeyman and Crowley introduced? I think it is really difficult. Uh, the, the Portsmouth midfield is is a really strong uh, unit, like you mentioned there, Cannon and Naylor. And I, I, I just, I would be really unsure in which formation to play. McCann's a very big fan of the four-three-three formation, and I, I'm just not sure there with, like you say, Smallwood. Um, I do like Doherty. I do rate him, but as you say, he's not maybe quite at the level Honeyman is yet. So it's going to be a really, really tough battle in there. And that, my, I personally would would pack out that midfield to try and combat that because you've got to try and and and, and fight against this, you know, obviously the strengths that Portsmouth have. But he's, he seems quite set on the 4 3 3. And I think in the last game as well, uh, he was playing uh, James Scott out on the left, and he's not really had a great season. I feel like now we're, we're, we're looking quite good with, a, with new signing, Gavin White as well, who can play on the wings. And obviously, as Alex mentioned earlier, Keen Lewis Potter, he can drop deeper to try and pick up the ball and try and try and make things happen as well. He's very much our, since Gerard Bowen left, our, our sort of poster boy. Uh, for the season so we're hoping that we can maybe use our strengths in other areas to try and combat the the midfield could happen again yeah for me um honeyman was on fire at the start of the season and um, was arguably arguably the the form player in league one now i think coinciding with the drop in form for the team when keen lewis potter was out of the team uh, it sort of impacted Honeyman's performance. Because what Keen Lewis Potter will do is, as well as dropping deep, like John mentioned, at times he will go past the defence and sort of uh, drop the defence deeper, allowing the space for Honeyman to find little pockets. Um, so w- when we've had a number nine in the form of McGuinness or Eves, they will both drop deep. They won't um, go further on for the defence, which squashes the play which um, you know has, has impacted uh, the results uh, and the lack of wins uh, over the Christmas period. Now, now Keane Lewis Potter was playing again. Suddenly, there was less pressure uh, on Honeyman, and he was able to influence the game a lot more. So, it'll be interesting to see if Keane Lewis Potter can repeat that against Pompey, uh, and if we can sort of stretch your defence a bit, and that'll be the key. Uh, getting the likes of Honeyman and Doherty at and potentially Crowley and or White uh, on the ball in the right areas, and they will cause problems for any defence. I think. When you when you look at Pompey from the outside, and you're looking for how to you know potentially get three points against us, where would you say the weak sort of the Achilles heel is from the outside in this Pompey lineup? Uh, the short answer is, I don't think there is one. 
I think ultimately, if we're going to beat you, we're just going to have to score more goals than you. <laughs> I think you've got a solid defence. Um, you've got a proven uh, League One goal scorers. Uh, I'm particularly a fan of Marquis. Is that how you pronounce it, Marquis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Lots of experience um, in the football league. So it's going whatever it is. I just hope it's an entertaining game. Because it could be entertaining, couldn't it? But it could die out, couldn't it? You can you can see it now. You know, Pompey haven't conceded a goal in six league games now, <laughs> and you could see Jacket saying exactly what you guys said. Oh wait a sec, it's nil nil, or it's one one. It's seventy six minutes. Who's going to throw a striker on right now? And you can just see the managers have a little glance over at each other and just yeah. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I think both managers used two substitutions in the last game. Because um, it was well, it was tight until we decided to start scoring in our own goal. So I think that's going to be one of the keys as well, knowing which way we need to score. Um, but personally, I think maybe set pieces could decide it. Um, I know we'll probably be without Reese Burke after getting a red card the other night, but I think we've we have got a, a strong defence. If we can maybe um, bring McGuinness on a little bit later on in the game around the arrow mark and see if we can get a, a set piece goal, I think it's maybe one of those sorts of close encounters that decide it. Yeah, one question I didn't ask last time, which I think I wanted to know what you guys thought about Brett McCann, because for looking at it from a Portsmouth perspective, I see Kane Jacket just doing exactly the same thing he did in the last game against Hull, where he relied on the uh, Portsmouth's front four in the four four two just to press a lot, and even if they were, even though they didn't create many chances, well, none effectively they still cause a lot of problems. Do you think Grant McCann will change the tactical setup a bit to try and unlock that, or do you trust him to do that at all? Um, I think the main thing is going to be the personnel. He, he's very rigid in his 4-3-3, um, but the personnel is going to be different. So that front three last time uh, was Wilkes, McGuinness and, and Scott. And I, I think this time it'll probably look like Wilkes will remain in, but um, Gavin White, maybe Keen Lewis Potter, um, he may go with with one of the, the two big men, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it will look a lot different uh, in terms of the personnel. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, we've been starting Josh Long and Gold more recently as well, rather than Matt Ingram. So there's another change there. So it will look that the lineup will look slightly different and it'll be interesting to see if the outcome's the same because the formation's the same or, or if, you know, the personnel will make a difference in the end. Uh, I, th- I actually think he might go a bit different. I think he will start McGuinness. Um, mainly, you know, to combat could potentially be a physical encounter. And I think, obviously, when, when we played Keen Lewis Potter at, uh, at number nine, what he doesn't give you is, is the ability to to sort of put the centre-halves under pressure in the air. So I think he'll probably start with uh, Keen Lewis Potter at wide. I think he'll go um, McGuinness, Lewis Potter and Wilkes. And I think he'll, he'll look to bring... White uh, and Crowley on later on to bring a bit more creativity into it. I could see him doing that because with Sean Braggett and Jack Watmore, they're both really strong centre-halves. If you ask yeah. them to man-mark a striker out of the game, they can do that easily, reasonably enough without without giving up the ability to um, make breakout plays very well. Do you rate yeah. Grant McCann as a manager? You can give your honest opinion if you want. Alex. I'll go first because... Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, really difficult one. Um, I actually, last season was dreadful um, and for us to get relegated was an absolute disaster. But I think it was the right decision by the club to keep McCann because the the relegation wasn't totally his fault. And now what he's proven this season is on a decent, on, on a, on a shoestring budget, we're making some shrewd business signings. You know, the signings we've made in January again, we've signed players on free or players on loan. What he's proven is we, he is uh, very, he's inflexible in terms of his footballing formation and the way he likes to play. He likes a sort of pure game of football. Um, he likes, you know, entertaining football. And, you know, I like that. But my, my criticism of him is his inflexibility. What you need as a manager for me is a plan B and a plan C. 
Now, if plan A doesn't work, you know, luckily more times than not this season, plan A is good enough with the players that we've got. But ultimately, we need a change of formation at times in games. We need, you know, players who can come on and change a game. Now, often he'll make two or three substitutions and that will change a game. But why can't we start like that? You know, why does he have to wait to bring the changes on? So he's still very early on in his managerial career for me. Um, but you know, well, well done to the board. I think for keeping uh, for keeping him at the club. I think it was the right decision. But ultimately, I think, in fairness, if we don't go up this season, it will be a failure. Yeah, I agree. I think obviously he's at the polar opposite of his career compared to Kenny Jacket, who's got a lot of experience in the football league, and you can quite often at times see that lack of experience. Um, he, like Alex said, is inflexible. He took a lot of criticism last year. As soon as we sold Bowen and Grzycki, for me, I, I, we sort of had this feeling that we, we were going to go on a bit of a, a downslope. We didn't expect it to end in relegation. And I think it was inflexibly. He wouldn't change the formation. He wouldn't manage games and see games out particularly well. And there were a lot of mistakes, but he seems to have learned from those. Um, he's built a good squad. One of the things he mentioned in the preseason was the culture around the club. He wanted to change the culture and build a, a new team. And he's done that really well. And I think it, it sort of shows after that run, um, following the Portsmouth defeat last time, we bounced back really well against Charlton. Might not have been the best performance in the world, but we, we got a result. And I think that was sort of the, the turning point for us. And we needed to go on a little run like that where we lost a few games just to bring McCann back down to earth and think, right, I need to really assess where I'm at this season and, and what I could do to improve. One of the things that I wanted to ask, actually, was yeah, the game after you, we played last time, um, you obviously started hitting a run of form by beating Charlton. And, and Charlton are a team that Pompey traditionally have, have struggled against. And in our first fixture against them uh, this season, they showed us up, I guess. It was just a mismatch in terms of formation and playing style. And we didn't have a look in in the entire game. Basically, and it was a it was two nil, I think, and it probably could have been more without us really complaining about it. Um, what did Hull do particularly well in that game to to grind out a two nil result, to keep a clean sheet in what looked like? I mean, I'm just doing this from the stats, but it looked like a reasonably comfortable win. Yeah. Um, well, Charlton turned up, and I don't know how they played against you. Um, they tried to play an aggressive, unsportsmanlike. Um, when football, they were quite dirty. Were they, were they quite dirty against you? Yeah, so Prattley got sent off against you, didn't he? And there, there, there was a big shout to have him sent off against us as well, which would have suspended him for your game, but he didn't I didn't get sent off. But yeah. Yeah, so I think ultimately the, that, was, that was Lee Bowie's outset. He wanted to, you know, hurt us and try and get in our nerves a bit. And I think what we did well was we kept our cool. Now, Malik Wilkes is a player who plays on that edge. You know, you know, he probably has got a sending off in him if you wind him up the right way. But he did well to keep his cool. As Prattley was, um, he was studying him from behind. And you know, there's obviously words exchanged during the game and whatnot. Um, but ultimately, that didn't pay off for Charlton. And actually, they didn't look very classy with it at all. So I think the the way we handled that, uh, Charlton's you know, where style of play that day was was how we got the result. And yeah, like you say, ultimately it could have been could have been more, but I was happy to get through the game, to be honest, 2-0 and you know, escape with no injuries. So lining up to let's get to the let's get to the juicy bit, boys. Let's let's get to it now. We've got the game coming up. You know, Pompey won four 0 the other day. We're doing well, six games without without conceding. However, this is a big game. I think you look a lot better than than you did, even from a squad depth size in the in the few weeks that it's been since we last played you. Let's get to the dreaded score prediction time, boys. Right, let's go around first. John, what do you think, mate? What's your score prediction for the game? And if you want to be proper, you know, proper risky about it, Chuck is a goal scorer as well. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go for the one-one. Uh, like I said earlier, I think it's just going to suit both sides really well. And I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to go and back my man Doherty uh, to go and get a goal. Uh, I think he's, like I say, he's, he's improved in his form. He's playing better. He's, he's been quite a... He's showing, especially I think with Crowley coming in as well, I think he needs to up his 
game. I think right, you know, he's like my place now. So I think I think he's going to bag a goal. Um, 1-1, tense game, close game. I think we'll know the, the result by around the 70th minute. When both managers are looking at each other, just telling them mm. to sit down the subs on the bench and not press for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it there, lads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Alex, mate, what's yours? So I'm, I'm going to be quite bold and I don't know if you guys have heard our pod at all, but I can be quite brave for my score predictions. I'm going to go... <laughs> not quite. I'm going to go 3-2 Hull uh, and I'm going to go... It's probably going to go something like this. It's going to be tit for tat. It's going to be one goal apiece, then two goals apiece. And then, do you know what? Either team could snatch the win, I think. Um, but ultimately, I think it's it's written in the stars. Keen Lewis Potter is going to slide in in the 88th minute. Boom! Get a little tap in off a Gavin White or a Dan Crowley cross. I actually just shook my head then because I just sort of half visualised it in my head and just went, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that's not a sign. Sorry, any Pompey fans listening, if that happens. <laughs> um, Alex, John, it's been great having you on the podcast. Tell people where they can find you. So, um, easiest place to find us is on Twitter. So it's uh, at Hull City Podcast. But if you just search Wise Men Say Hull, you can find us in the nice uh, amber background. Uh, but John, you obviously, can you tell us where, tell the, the listeners about where we find the actual pod? Yes. Yeah, so we're on pretty much all um, podcast platforms. So just search Wise Men Say Hull City Podcast and we'll come up on there. Thanks, boys. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, nice one, boys. Yeah, and good luck for the rest of the season. I hope you finish second behind us. Um, (laughs) But but ultimately, uh, I I hope we can both get promoted and then we can have you on on the return show next season. Yeah, that's wholesome content we crave, innit? That'd be great. (laughs) That'd be great. Let's be honest, yeah. Obviously, we'll flip that and, and, uh, you know, there's no point us coming second. We want to lift some sort of trophy. But uh, at the same time, let's be honest, Lincoln, they're not going up. I said it now. (laughs) 20th 20th of January. What a joke. Ex-Pompey manager, it's happening now, innit? But boys, (laughs) thanks anyway. Cheers. They better not do because my boss is a Lincoln fan. So we need those bragging rights. Look, mate, my ex-boss was a Lincoln fan as well, and that wasn't the main reason I left, but it was definitely one reason. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we didn't ask you what are your score predictions anyway, quickly. We usually do a whole segment on it afterwards, but I can do this bit for you now off off anyway. I'm I'm actually going to go, and the boys um, don't actually know my prediction yet, Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Pompey win. I think we're going to edge it out, but I think, as you guys say, it could have been either way around. I mean, it could be... It's, it's so difficult to predict, I don't know. Ready after you, mate? I think I'm, go- I'm going to go <clears throat> for the conservative and dull option. I'm going to go for the dirtiest nil-nil we've ever watched in our entire lives. <laughs> and both managers are going to look at that and go, yeah, we'll take that, fine. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's pretty likely. I think, yeah, nil-nil or one all, And then in the last 15 minutes, both managers just look at each other and both bring on an extra centre-back. I can just see it happening. <laughs> You yeah, freaking, I, I just fucking think snore fest, mate. Me and Alex have got some goals going on. Do you know what I mean? I might not even tune in if we think you guys are going to get it right. Brilliant. Yeah, Love it, guys. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. Thanks, John and Alex, again for coming on the podcast. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy the game as much, boys. Are we going to? Are we going to be enjoying this game against Hull? It's going to be a lot tougher, isn't it? especially with the personnel that Hull are getting. Bringing in Crowley on loan, the Keen Lewis Potter transfer saga all done, so he's definitely starting probably in the front three. Exceptional player at this level. I'm quite worried. <laughs> I, I think Hull are going to be much better in this game compared to the last one. Yeah, no, I, I, they're definitely better. When you throw uh, Potty, you throw Honeyman and you throw Crowley all into the team, potentially uh, three addition players to go into the team, they are no doubt a better team. However, they looked absolutely impotent at that going forward for us in the last game. They were rubbish, yeah. Um, rudderless, whatever you want to say, you know, their attack looked absolutely, you know, unable to penetrate the Pompey defence. But 
with these three players in, they have a lot of quality in the squad. And I think it just changes the whole dynamics of Hull. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, as the lads say, come out and try and get a draw. I wouldn't be surprised against that. Andy, what are you feeling? What are you feeling about this game, mate? Just so much negativity, lads. Let's be positive. Like, why is that negative? <laughs> no, no, not just for you. But it's like, not negative. Saying, to say that the other the other side's good. No, but you're, you're 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 saying it in a way that makes people like infer that we're going to struggle in this one. I, it's yes, it's going to be tougher than you know Wimbledon, who are what in the relegation zone twenty first. Yeah, it's going to be tougher. But the side are coming in having not conceded in the last six league games. Where you know if we win our game in hand, we're like one point off the top. If Lincoln win their game in hand and with a better goal difference. Like the team's gelled. I mean, I know that amongst all this positivity, I just predicted a one or draw. But having said that, um, I just think we need to be a bit more positive, lads, than that. I can see Portsmouth winning the game. Tone of voice. I, see, I, I can see Portsmouth winning the game. It's just, it is the most important game of the season for me. For, yeah, I, yeah, take, take a, I genuinely think it's one of those games where if, like, in the really old days before this was regulated, you'd take kickoff and then one team would just pass the ball around for 45 minutes and the other team wouldn't try and tackle them. And then second half, the opposition team would do the same. You'd walk off with a nice nil-nil draw, shake hands and be happy with a point and then sort of try and get points against everyone else. Um, obviously, not going to happen, but I do think it's one of those games where if we get into like yeah, the last 20, 25 minutes, we're not going to get someone throwing on an extra striker to try and nickel three points, are we? It's, this is a game where you know I, I do think Hull probably... Aside from us, I'd rank us up there are probably the best team in the league. I do think they're going to go up at the end of the season, whether it's automatics or playoffs, most likely automatics. So, yeah, take a point from that. And then if we can pick up three points, it's Lincoln we've got as well, isn't it? And Charlton in the two games afterwards. If we can pick up three points against Lincoln, who didn't look brilliant last time we played them, and then either a point or three points against Charlton, if we can, you know dissect what went wrong last time out against them and fix that to as, as, as much as possible then you yeah five points from those three games I think we're in decent very decent shape looking forward yeah yeah and um just just rolling on that feeling of positivity that Andy's injected into the podcast right at the end um as I said I have really gone for a 2-1 Pompey win because I do think that the winning the winning streak will carry on um from this now I do think we'll get a win against Hull but it is touch and go However, boys, goal scorers, who's gonna who's gonna step up in this game? Andy, you know, you predicted a one all draw, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah. Okay, go. Who's gonna score for Pompey? Uh John Marquis, I think. He's hitting form, getting into the right positions. And yeah, I I think he'll be the, the one goal scorer for us. Freddie, I think you predicted a dull nil nil result. Didn't yes, you? I did. Uh, yeah, right. I did. Um, you can. I'm predicting a two one win. John Marcus is gonna get one, and then the much more prolific Sean Raggett with a second goal. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway. Boys, it's been great having you on the podcast. Freddie, cheers, yeah, mate. Always, always a pleasure, Hugh. Take care. Andy, it's been great having you on the podcast. I can't tell if he's frozen or if he's just pulling a face out of disgust to the lens of the podcast. But until next time. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.